because it is a very complex process. And you can do this cheap. You really can. I mean, you can go make your own team. Everybody that I talk to, I advise against it. It is complex. And if you make a mistake, it can blow up in your face. They handled everything and made it easy for me to do. And uh, it was it was seamless to do it. From Lazier Capital, this is the ESOP Insider. In this four-part podcast, we will take you through all you need to know about selling your company through an employee stock ownership plan, or ESOPs as they're more commonly known. Welcome to episode two. Now, we recommend if you're just jumping in to start back at episode one to get yourself caught up. But in this episode, we're sitting down with Josh All and Dave Phillips of ASI Commercial Roofing and Maintenance. ASI started back in 2001 and grew throughout the odds when in 2017 they went ESOP. What makes ASI unique from a business perspective is a majority of their workers are hourly workers and their industry is highly susceptible to turnover. You will hear just how effective an ESOP is in addressing these needs. And secondly, Josh All, current president, got a start with ASI as a worker, a heartwarming bootstrap story. So without giving any more away, let's dive in. Right out of college, the way I got into this business, most people get into the construction. Meet Dave Phillips. Dave is the founder of ASI and the person who took the company through their ESOP. Dave got a start in the industry in the mid-80s, working his way up through sales at a construction company on into the corporate HQ. However, when the entrepreneurial bug bit him and he decided to strike out on his own, ownership transfer, retirement, and ESOPs were about the furthest things from his mind at that time. That business became not as good because they wanted to hire all of us. They didn't want to pay us commissions. So I was selling roofing products. So I thought, well, I've seen enough guys do this. I just opened the doors and tried it. It was very close and tight knit. I did all the bidding, all the estimating, and all uh, ran the projects. And we had a couple of superintendents that put the roofs on. Yeah, we I knew where everybody was all the time. And Dave, skipping ahead a little bit, I know you grew a very impressive and profitable business on up through the 2000s. Um, but considering the lens of the show, I'd like to know, you know, did you have any generational transfer of ownership conversations with your children um, at any point during the business's history? Well, it was really wasn't a continued family business. It was just what I started. But yeah, they didn't want to do that. They wanted to go to Chicago and start their own deals. And and understand the business wasn't that attractive in 2010, 11, 12, when we're the recession. I mean, there were times when I had to come home and tell their mother that, you know, we didn't get a paycheck this week because I had to pay the employees. Um, so that, that wasn't something they saw big stars and that they were going to get rich on. So they went and did their own thing, which was fine. But I knew some point in time I had to do something with this. And so we have our hero, Dave, who knows that somewhere down the line, the business will need to be transferred, but it's unclear what that will look like. Now, now this is a great reminder about how early these conversations about business transference and ESOPs can really start, most times years before the deal is even penned. And now let me welcome Josh All, current president of ASI. However, that title wasn't always a given. So when I grew up in a construction family and uh, another uh, friend of mine had uh, done some commercial roofing and he was the vice president at the time for um, ASI and during college, they needed some help here and there. And since I was used to doing construction, I kind of uh, came and helped every once in a while during that time when I could through college. And then when I came out in the crash, that period, I graduated in 2008 from college. There really was no 
jobs where I was at. So I had a business degree and, and, and nowhere to go. Since I knew somebody at uh, ASI, I asked if I could get a job. So I got a job out in the field. Um, started out in the field as just a low helper. Then uh, about six months in, Dave found out that I had a college degree and um, asked me to start doing a little bit different part of the job. So he asked me to come in, uh, be a estimator, a junior estimator, junior project manager, along with I did some uh, superintendent work. Kind of, uh, so I learned all kind of aspects of ASI, and at that point, you know, we were roughly doing about eight million, I think. Uh, so I was there, worked my way up to estimator project manager for Dave. Uh, was there for seven years. Uh, when I left, we were doing about thirteen million. I was gone to Chemco Roofing, uh, estimated project manager over there for seven years. Uh, went through an ESOP with them. Um, then ultimately talked to Dave and Dave brought me back as a project manager at that point in time, uh, three and a half years ago and haven't looked back. We've now, you know, far exceeded expectations in sales. We've almost doubled since I've been back in sales size. So, so Dave rolling now into the arts and knowing at one point you're going to want to sell the company or transfer it out of, of your control. Um, do you remember the first time you came across the concept of ESOPs? Oh, I thought it was a great idea. The first time we met, it was um, because right before I met Ted and the year before, a large national company came and offered me to buy us out. And it, uh, when you peel the onion back, it was not a good deal. They, it was a good deal for them, not us. In fact, they just made another call last, uh, what, three months ago, wanted to revisit it. And we told them no. But, um but no, uh, I, I was never skeptical. I thought it was a much better vehicle to sell since my children weren't coming in than to sell to a third party, if, I, if you will. And um, when Ted explained what the whole thing was, then it really uh, perked up my interest. And uh, by the way, I want to interject when he left the first time, and I wasn't happy about that, but that's okay. But I always kept my sights on him because he, he's good at what he does. And um, it turned out going away for seven years was a good thing because he learned how another company was run instead of just because he came to us right out of college. And um, when we hired him back, there was no intention of him being a project manager very long. So it was there, this was a work progress. But no, the uh, once we once we met and Ted explained everything and how this worked and, and then how I could stay on and continue to work. And be an employee and earn shares myself. It, it just, it was something that that I made the decision shortly after we met that okay, you know this is this is the way we're going to go. We just get now now we got to figure out how to do it and where to do it. And I think with Ted's help and everything, I, I did the math and then uh, my financial planner and I sat down and stretched it out. and And I knew the as long as we kept the company making money every year, I knew the end game was going to work. I, I just, I mean, the numbers bore out and showed me that they would, they would work. Yeah. You no, know, as, as he said, when we first met, uh, he had great company and it was growing. Um, but when I talked to him, he had a lot of great things that would be happening in the next year or two that would make it a lot better for him. Um, so we looked at that. We looked at, as I said, getting the service business bigger. Also, I always, you know, it's sort of a three-legged stool when you sell. You got to think not only about um, how much money am I going to get? You know, is that going to be enough to live the rest of my life? What am I going to do if I sell the company? And what's best for the company? And it was clear it was what's best for the company. 
And with a niece up, it's great because you know what you're going to do post-closing. But you also got to think about, is it enough to live the rest of your life? Um, and so I thought the combination of the company being stronger in a, in a year or two and getting a much better sale price that would allow him to live the kind of life he wanted to afterwards, that we could work together for the next two years. And, and I didn't charge him anything during that period um, to, to talk about what it could be and to go ahead and, and do it when it made a little bit more sense. Yeah, when you do an ESOP, there is some complexity, as Dave said, and there's some cost. Now, the good news on the cost is usually you're just financing the cost and you get them all back, you know, plus plus a return. But um, all of that, the, the little, you know, the complexity that you have people that help you with and the cost, it makes sense to be a certain size. Usually we'll tell people today probably, Two and a half, three million of, of EBITDA or earnings after after ta- uh, before taxes to do an ESOP, and uh, he was a little below that, but he also had such good things coming that the value would be a lot better in a year or two uh, if he if he did that. Well, one one I'm sorry. One of the other things too is usually in a we're still small business, even though we're approaching forty million dollars in sales and. We're going to have a little over $5 million in EBITDA this year. No, we're going to have $5 million in bottom line, pretty close, way over in EBITDA. Um, so it's been a growth story. But typically, the son comes in. Sometimes now the daughters, but most of the time, the son comes in, one of them, and takes over. And um, there's a whole marketing exercise on second-generation businesses failing because the kids forget what it took to get where they needed to get to. So it was a better opportunity for him. It's a good opportunity for all of them. We have two other vice presidents that, uh, you know, they're, they're where they are because of the change in me leaving and handing over more duties to them. But since the ESOP has been going and now that people believe it, and the reason they believe it, we had one individual who was let go because he was a troublemaker and he got his pay. And now everybody that's quitting, he tells them you're going to get paid. So the word's getting around that it wasn't fake. Um, but uh, if you don't live by the way we want to do things, you're not going to be here. It's, we're just not going to put up with it. And so I'm sorry, what I was getting ready to say, we've had very few people quit. Um, but we have turnover because we usher them out. Uh, people would quit pre-SOP for 50 cents an hour. You're talking mostly the hourly people. Well, now they're starting to understand that the ESOP's pretty good. Our benefit package is really second to none. Um, not only do they have the ESOP, we have a 401k. And um, they're, the turnover has gone way down. And employees are the hardest thing in the world to find right now, as, as everybody knows. I don't care what industry you're in. So, um, yeah, I think uh, we always call it the migration. Every spring, coming out of winter, all of the uh, hourly employees, roofers, they go find out where they can get the biggest buck. They just go make the circle. And um, we don't see that now. I mean, they're coming to us, but we don't see them leaving. What we're trying to teach these people, if you got a bad apple over here that's not doing, he's hurting not just himself, but the whole company. And he can, and you own part of the company, so it hurts you. And Josh, do you remember the first time that you heard about an ESOP? So like anything, you're skeptical when you hear about sales and stuff. I began to research the ESOP as soon as it was announced that we were thinking about it. So I had a little bit of an advantage on some of the guys who might not get the jump on doing research and find out stuff and understanding some of the lingo. But 
as a, as a, at first you're a little skeptical. You see, at first you get a high value. You know, the next year you start to see more, and then you start to see more, and, and you can really watch it kind of grow. And you're not really putting any of it in yourself, so it's like a great thing if you realize uh, what you're looking for in retirement. Um, at my age, I don't know if Social Security is going to be around. I don't. There's lots of things that are failing out there, and uh, the ESOP's important to me for retirement, especially. I'm counting on it. What was your experience with your employees on kind of adoption rates with the ESOP or understanding exactly what's going on uh, with that business transfer and how it works? Yeah, I think it's not real to some of those guys until they see it, uh, in, you know, in hand. Now, I think most of the managers slowly uh, bought in faster than some of the field mm-hmm. employees. Again, also, it matters the growth of the company with the the way ASI did so much better, faster, the, the share values jump high quickly, which makes it a bigger value. So it st- sticks out to people. I mean, when you have two tiers of employees and, and it, our office staff and the salary people are a little more educated and understand things a little better. A lot of your hourly employees, I mean, nobody's ever given them anything and they work for what they get. And to tell them you're setting them up for retirement, they just shake their head like, ah, I, don't, I don't know if I believe that or not. And there's, there's no way to prove it. Um, I mean, that's just, it's a, they got to believe what you tell them. And um, again, I've never lied to them. Um, and I don't think Josh is going to lie. It doesn't work because they do figure out when you're screwing them over, they will get theirs from you. Have there been any employees that, let's just say, didn't quite get how the ESOP worked? One. Uh, one of our foremen, as soon as he found out he thought he was an owner, he said he wanted a, he has a company truck now. And he goes, well, I want a bigger truck. Well, why? Because I own this place. No, you don't. You're confused. I said, you can go buy a share of Apple computers if you want to. And you're not going to go in there and tell them you want new computers and tell them how to run their business. So <laughs> There may have been some others that I don't hear about. But yeah. Yeah. So I, I think at first when they hear ownership, they think decisions. But, uh, you know, somewhat once you explain what it is, what you're buying into. And, and again, the whole ESOP thing works great when you have good leadership, starts with leadership, then your management team, they all have to be on board. Dave surrounded himself with a bunch of people who want to be successful, which has made it easier for me to step in because as long as they want to be successful, the ESOP is successful. And so uh, it's easy to keep try to keep them motivated to stay that way. Going back to the point on share price, do you remember what it was when it started versus uh, say where it's at now? Yeah, it started at $12 and it was 188 in 2022. Last year it dropped, sorry, 2021. Last year it dropped to 168, but it's still way up. And that was, we were told that was a lot of it was out of our control. We missed our budget by a little bit, but it was more of an interest rate uh, going up and stuff like that. Um, I'm betting this year it could push 200. Uh, that's a bet. He and I, similar thing, because at the end of this year, they're paying me off. We will have only the uh, about 800 grand left on our first note debt that we could pay off, but it's at 3% interest. So why would you pay it off? <clears throat> we have no debt in the company, zero debt. And we'll have somewhere between six and $8 million in cash setting in the business with 22 million going into next year and in vo- in backlog with promises that 
we have more. And when I say 22 million going in, that doesn't even count what industrial and service will do. They're doing about 3 million apiece. So we're going into next year with about $30 million in backlog. So Dave, I'm curious, what, what were your thoughts uh, once you like post ESOP and kind of handing the baton uh, down to Josh? Uh, how, how did that, how did that go for you? It, it was tough, um, but it was rewarding at the same time. I mean, you know, I'd rather do it this way, and I'm still involved, not as much as I was, but I'm involved in some of the big decisions and some of the decisions we're making going forward, some uh, things we're going to do with the company. Um, had I have sold to somebody else, I may have been run out the next, who knows? Um, but uh, no, it's, it, yeah, it's 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 tough, but uh, there comes a time when when you... If you don't do it, then you turn around and you're too old and you can't enjoy what you work for. So, Do you find you're able to strike a balance now between uh, working and enjoying life? Josh runs day-to-day operations. I do not get involved in the day-to-day operations. What my job is now is looking forward, trying to give them a five-year plan. Um, one of the beauties of ESOPs is you don't pay tax. We've had three or four fabulous years where we have a lot of cash. We have to figure out what to do with that, whether that's going to acquire businesses, uh, expand what we do, whether we grow, uh, add more divisions or go out and add more uh, offices in other cities. Those are things we're kicking around right now. So that's kind of what I'm working on and keeping him involved with all that while he's running day to day. But, uh, yeah. So I'm doing what I want to do right now. It's fun. And so with all the success, uh, I want to know what's next for ASI and what's five years down the line in the future looking like for the company. Well, I, I'm looking forward to what's next. Uh, like Dave said, we're looking at buying some people to move a little bit. I grew up on the residential side. My dad was a builder developer. Um, I didn't choose to take over his company. So, you know, the ESOP could have been a great thing for him, <laughs> but it, it I'm looking forward to taking over, trying to grow, trying to continue the the management and also just keep the team that we've had. Um, It's going to be a challenge because other people come in and try to steal them. But I think that most of our people are pretty vested in this. And it's basically a pension fund when we put the money in there for when they retire, we're going to be paying them. So they um, a lot of the upper management see that. And Dave, do you have a five year plan? I'm out of here. I'm wherever I'm going to be in Florida. I'm going to be here. I. I have another couple of businesses I do on on the side, real estate and stuff, but uh, I enjoy working. Okay. I'm not, I, I've got a lot of buddies that are retired and they're, they don't have anything to do. And they're, that just doesn't fit my DNA. I've got to do something. Plus my wife told me very explicitly, your retirement plans should not include hanging around my house during the day. So my options are kind of, but but no, I mean, um, you know, there's not a lot of options. I'm not, and I don't want to sit around the house. I really don't. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. We had this uh, conversation with a lot of my buddies who work for big corporations, and they typically can't wait to retire. But when you start your own business and you're an entrepreneur, I don't know if you ever retire. I mean, I, I will do other things. I, I, if I'm asked, I may get on a couple boards. Who knows? Um, I want to keep helping these guys. I just don't want to be obligated to have to be someplace every day if I don't want to be and grind through the uh, figuring out who's going where that day. I don't, I don't want to deal with any of the personnel problems. 
And he's learning that those aren't that much fun anyway. But no, um, I'm where I want to be right now. And I come and go as I please. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't want to be the guy sitting behind his desk at 85 years old with not, and didn't do what, what he wanted to do. So this worked out perfect for me. It couldn't have been any better. And I think it worked out great for the company, too. I mean, they, they are in we are in such good shape right now as far as financially. Uh, it's it's incredible where we've come in six years, five years from now, it, you know. Truth be known, uh, January 4th, I turned 69 years old. So, you know, five years from now, I'll be, what, 74? I need to have some fun. I have kids. My kids in California, I think, are moving to Florida. But we travel. We do things. I will. I might stay on the board if they want me to, and I'll still be here to advise him. But, no, I've had a good run. I'm, it's time for me to have Dave time. And with that, we leave ASI and their growth trajectory in the capable hands of Josh, and we wish bon voyage to Dave. The ASI story is a great example of the broad application of ESOPs. Dave and his team at ASI are a testament to even with a company with many hourly workers, an ESOP can not only act as just a benefit package to employees, but also increase productivity and cut down on overtime. The ASI story also shows up what leadership transfer can look like when done correctly and successfully in which the ESOP was able to retain and attract top talent that would later develop into leadership, just like Josh. Now, coming up in part three, we are going to sit down with two other business owners, except this time we are switching industries to consulting, where the business's capital and value is tied up in its people. A a few things that have been true since we became an ESOP, 92% employee retention rate and 84% annual client retention rate. That to me is counterintuitive when you think about the ESOP, but we've been pleasantly surprised when we sit across from our clients, our customers, and say, everybody that you work with is an owner of the company that you're engaging. They now have trust that the person's not going to be gone in a month, right? That they are going to be there for the entirety of that engagement. And that is really powerful and more than I really expected that has resonated with our clients. We'd sincerely like to thank Josh and Dave of ASI for giving us their time today. Now, we know you have questions and hopefully we have those answers. Please reach out no matter what step of the business sale process you are in so we can help. You can drop us a line or get in touch with us at laziercapital.com. That's L-A-Z-E-A-R capital.com. And make sure to check out the show notes on the site for this episode for an even deeper dive into all that we talked about today. See you next episode.